Hey, it's Thomas Frank. I've just got a quick note for you before we get into the show. If you've been enjoying the Inforium or my videos over on YouTube, then you, my friend, should get Nebula. On Nebula, you get ad-free versions of both this podcast and my videos, along with exclusive stuff like extended versions of those videos. And it's not just our stuff that you're going to get. Dozens of other creators are on Nebula, including Ali Abdal, Wendover Productions, Braincraft, Tier Zoo, and lots more. Nebula gives us a chance to experiment, and since everything's ad-free, it's also the best way for you to get our content. Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. Hey, what is going on, everybody? And welcome back to the College Info Geek Podcast, the internet's best resource for getting ahead and becoming a better student, but a terrible resource for learning about the new tier list in Super Smash Brothers. Wait, what's the new, what's the new one called? Is it like Ultimate? Is it maybe? Ultimate? It I thought it was Ultimate. It might be Ultimate. Yeah. Title doesn't matter. I don't know. Clearly, Samus is going to make her return to S tier. Yes, bouncing because around the screen and running away from the fight is truly a good strategy. Yeah, it's Tom. the best strategy. You never die. You also never get any knockouts. And now, for the record, place, but you also uh, never die. Bowser Jr. and Wii Fit Trainer are much cooler characters. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Actually, I think I think my favorite character from the old game, at least, is Shulk. That's fair. Because as we record this, the new game is not yet out. I know you are currently preparing for a midnight release tomorrow. I yeah, think. earlier than midnight at this GameStop, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, you get it at like 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. or something like that. That's nice, because I am now an old man and don't like staying up to midnight. Yep. I'm just going to download it this time anyway. That way, when I travel, I can have it on my Switch, and I don't have to bring a bunch of physical games. Because my little case only has eight slots. That's a lot of games, though. Yeah, but that's not enough. It's, it's like, a lot, it's like it's plenty. It's like plenty of games unless you're traveling for like eight months. What if, okay, so what if I have my eight games and then I'm like, I really want to play that ninth game I own. Now I can't. Control your urges. <laughs> no, nonsense. This is ridiculous. Play one game at a time. Self-discipline? One game at a time? This is dumb. Nope. <laughs> All right, then just get it digitally. Exactly. There it is. All I got to do is get a big micro SD card, put it in there, and I'll have enough space for every game that I would ever want. Yeah. Though now I am out of space on the Switch's normal hardware. Oh. So... I do need to get my hands on that. Anywho, my name is Thomas Frank, and I guess I took a little while to introduce us, but I'm here as always with my good friend Martin Bamey, who apparently is a ninja. Something like that. According to Instagram commenters. Yep. <laughs> or at least I was. At least you were. Oh, so were they commenting on the picture of you standing on the monkey bars? Yeah. With Ashley? Yeah. That was pretty good. Yep. So, I like you that. know, before the years of injuries, we do not know if I can still do ninja stuff. That'll happen. I can probably still balance on monkey bars. I mean, you can still balance on that little balance rail that I built. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I can still do that one. Which, I'm going to write that down in my notes before I forget, because I do want to talk about that. Uh, so I'm not a ninja, sadly. Yep. But I am, and I guess this may be the first time that people are hearing about it. Uh, I've maybe casually mentioned it before. I'm applying for Ninja Warrior, American Ninja Warrior, the TV show. And this is something that I've wanted to do for a very long time. Never really took seriously until this year. And I guess I've mentioned it enough times throughout either YouTube or this podcast or social media that uh, at least one person found out about it and actually sent me an email with a bunch of questions. And this person actually wants to apply for Ninja Warrior themselves. And they were, they basically just sent me a bunch of questions on how I'm training kind of workouts I do, how do I train, like if I don't have access to a ninja gym, all these kind of things. And I thought it'd be fun to just do an episode about 
the kind of training regimen that I've been following for this. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the application process and then answer this person's questions on how you could train for this kind of a challenge, which is really a very versatile challenge and would be a decent fitness challenge in general for anyone uh, if they don't have access to ninja specific gyms or training courses or whatever. So yeah, that's what I wanted to do. But I don't want you to just sit there the whole time. Oh yeah, no, I'll, I'll probably <laughs> say stuff. And I just realized like this is not something that you're doing. Nope, it's not something I'm doing. So let's take a small aside before I get into um, what I'm doing for training because this is basically the entirety of my fitness I don't know, regimen at the moment. Your whole workout has been curved toward yeah, this goal. Exactly, pretty much. Uh, so what have you been working on lately? Because I know you're you're still recovering from the finger um, injury. So what does your I, fitness routine I look like? I can't say that it is much. Is it still like stairs or anything like that? I know you, like, you attempted uh, a pull-up. You know, lunges, push-ups, side planks, just some basic body weight stuff for now. Okay, so you're still working on that. Yeah. Because I, I think it's good to... I don't know, mention the fact that you're still, you've adapted your routine even yeah, though you're yeah. with an injury. I, I want to exercise more, but I did have to cut it down so that I could adapt to the situation I was in. Mm-hmm. I will push it as I continue to recover. However, I made in another surgery at some point at which I will need to adjust my exercising again. Yeah. So what are you going to do? I don't know. It's adjust, like, adjust things and go with the flow so well, that I'm not you yeah. know, helpless. It's the whole redefine success thing. Yeah. Which for people who don't know, you actually wrote the second procrastination video i did do in that our procrastination series so and that was probably the most practical one in the series i think i do like being practical yeah yeah and that's that was very very helpful and i ended up having to do that in the procrastination series itself because i am still not very good at estimating how long things will take that's that sounds about right yeah i'm good at estimating how long it'll take to drive somewhere but that's about it <laughs> for work things i'm very terrible at it yeah though um, this isn't like a defense for me, but it does make me feel better. I remember watching a video. It was like a behind the scenes video on Linus tech tips channel. And they were interviewing his head editor who basically said, anytime Linus tells us something is going to take X amount of hours, I double it. And I'm usually right. So at least I'm not the only YouTuber who is terrible at making time estimates. That's fair. And who gets overly ambitious about deadlines. Yeah. <laughs> And I guess he's pretty successful. I guess the hack is to hire people who understand how ridiculous you are and then who can plan around it. Yeah. Well, also, they need, <laughs> they need like, they have enough power to plan the rest of the things around that. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's probably helpful. It's an interesting way to have to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I would like to get better at this. this. It's not me accepting it and just leaving it be. But I guess the first stage is, is acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into Ninja Warrior stuff, uh, which is basically the entirety of my fitness routine these days. It has a big influence on my diet, how much I'm eating, a lot of stuff. Uh, So this has been on my impossible list for probably at least three years. It's something that I've been wanting to do for much longer than that. But because it's a TV show, I guess my brain always told me like, oh, you're you're not going to be able to get onto it. And then... There were some other limiting beliefs that kept me from taking it seriously up until now, such as the fact that most people who win it are rock climbers who have been doing it for years and who weigh less than me. Like, actually, the 
I guess like the uh, the ideal body type for an warrior would be yours, because I think that you could be a pretty darn good climber if you had the time and non-injured finger to work on it. That's probably helpful. Whereas I am kind of a bulky person. And while I'm strong, I have a lot of weight that has to hang off of my fingers. Yeah. So yeah, there's a like, lot more compensation. It's like proportional strength. Mm-hmm. So they want to be like high strength per yeah. body weight. I'm not really sure if there's a sport out there that my body type is optimized for, but it's not Ninja Warrior and it's not um, rock climbing. But something that I just kind of committed to doing this year was challenging my preconceived notions of what I am am and am not cut out to do, which is why I started taking vocal lessons and which is why I decided to apply for Ninja Warrior because I felt that even if I don't win it, if I take it seriously and train for it, I'm going to be able to do something. And even if I'm not a singing prodigy, I think if I take lessons, I will at least be better than if I never tried and I will be a happier person for it. Okay. Well, I mean, that's a, yeah. that's obviously a great thing to do mm-hmm. to go out and intentionally challenge things you didn't think you could be good at yeah. or, or that you have a disadvantage at. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I can tell you that in both areas, it's actually started to pay off. I don't know how good of a singer I am yet, but I've improved tenfold over where I was before I started taking lessons. And I've only been taking lessons for probably two months at this point. It's just small, small changes. Just having someone who's an expert point out you know, you need, you need to make an adjustment here. Yeah. You need to, because a lot of it for me was not knowing whether or not a thing I was doing was the right thing to do or whether a thing I was doing actually sounded good. So having someone tell you, like actually tell you, you know, round out those vowels or have more resonance in your voice. Oh, okay, cool. I, I had tried that before. I just never knew if it was the right move. So you kind of practice it at different, like a dozen different directions. Yeah. And you never make any progress. And then with Ninja stuff, um, applications are due January 2nd and then the qualifiers if I get in will be in spring the dates are not announced yet neither are the cities so when this episode goes live I will not have any results yet from that but I do have some very good results just fitness wise and ability wise from training and from the uh, the one like mini competition I've done at a gym here in Denver so it's been good to just just to try things So I guess before we get into all the details here, um, the takeaway for me, for people listening to this, I guess, is if there's something that you've been telling yourself that you're not cut out to do, but you want to do it deep down, just go for it. You know, even if it seems like it's going to be embarrassing or you don't feel like you're the type of person who would be good at it, just like, just try it because you never know. Yeah. And at the very least, you'll probably learn something or you'll be able to say, I'm not going to regret not trying that, mm-hmm. which is already, you know, that's a lot in itself. Not having regrets is a pretty good reward. That, and that's a big thing for me. Like a huge question for whether or not I'm going to do something is when I'm on my deathbed, will I regret not having done this? Yeah. And that informs decisions where maybe the, maybe the excuse for not doing it would be that it's too much work. But it also informs decisions where the excuse for not doing it would be like, I'm in, I'm too embarrassed to do that. Well, I think that's a, actually a really useful thing to do because I can't remember where I was reading this, but I was reading about how people are actually better at predicting whether they would regret something than whether they would like enjoy something or any of the obvious things. Really? We're, we're pretty – like we're a little more rational when we try to think, will I regret this 
Okay. But when we think about challenges and other things and we think about doing them, we're a little more emotional. Yeah. A little more likely to feel down about it and maybe not push ourselves. But we're yeah. we're pretty good at saying, I'm I'm not really sure if I can do this right now. I'm, I'm confused. It's a big decision. But I do think that if I don't do it somehow, I will feel bad. Mm-hmm. I wonder why we're able to do that. Maybe the the regret the regret the regret question makes us sort of zoom out in our thinking. Yeah. And you kind of uh, usefully discount some of those emotions that can cloud your judgment in the moment. Well, it's like that question isn't saying, "Is it hard? Do you have the right uh, capital? Do you have the resources? Do you have the right body type? Do you have all the right things in place?" That gets really confusing. There's mm-hmm. so much uncertainty. But will I regret this? There's not really a lot of it's entirely you. You're not asking, is it hard? You're just saying, will I feel bad if I didn't try this? Yeah. That's one thing, and I control it, so it's easier for me to predict. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so I was thinking that I would split this episode into kind of two parts because the way I've been approaching this challenge is very similar. I see it as a two-pronged challenge. Prong one is basically transforming my body into something that is able to, you know, deal with all the obstacles, at least for the first stage. I'm under no illusions that I could win Ninja Warrior, at least not in this season that I'm applying, because only two people in the history of the show ever have, both of whom are like lifelong rock climbing champions with your body type. So you can, you can not, you can have nobody win? Is it they don't reach the end Pretty of, much a, of every a course, series, basically? Nobody, well, so every series, peop, there's like many stages. There's city qualifiers, city finals, and the people who win city finals, I believe, go on to the national qualifiers in Las Vegas. And then there's however many stages. And you'd think I would know exactly how many stages there are, but I actually don't. Because really the only the only goal in my mind has ever been make it through the first stage. And the vast majority of people who try the first stage fail it. Okay. So, which actually for the people that go into city finals, many of them are people who have failed, but then their time was good enough that they got in because I believe it's like top 40 from qualifiers. Okay. So it's not necessarily like you won if you beat everybody else, but you yeah. you can not complete the course and still be first. Yeah. So every, and every season there's somebody who did the best, but um, other than two people in the history of the show, no one has actually finished the final course and oh. won the million dollars. Well, that's good because it sounds like you're setting realistic expectations. Yes. I believe it is a realistic goal for me to finish the first city qualifier course. And I do not care what my time is. I do not care what my placing is. All that I care about is that I make it up the warp wall and finish that course. And then I guess the stretch goal will be to finish the second course, which will be much more difficult. And I'm going to try my darndest, but I have an expectation that I can finish the first one if I work hard enough. So I guess, yeah, prong one is work out, train, and do what is necessary to get my body in shape to get through that course. Then prong two, because it's a TV show, you have to be sort of interesting in a way to get on it in the first place. And I want to kind of go through a little bit of the application and share some of the questions they have. Um, So the, the second challenge for me is find a way to be interesting enough to get accepted for the show. And for me, that's actually kind of a scarier challenge because it's unbounded. Like the course is, I mean, you don't know what obstacles the course are going to have is going to have until they announce the obstacles. Uh, but you can look at previous years and sort of gauge the difficulty and say, all right, 
I need to challenge, I need to challenge myself to work on X, Y, and Z based on these obstacles they've had in the, in the past. I can kind of look at it, but for this part of the challenge, it's like, um, hopefully I'm interesting enough to get yeah, accepted. It's, it's like hard to know. <laughs> am I interesting enough? Let me check this scale that you yeah. can't, you can't really do that. You know, if you're fit. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about that part in the latter half of this episode. And maybe there's some applications there for people writing personal statements, things like that. Um, I think it may just be interesting for people to know what they're asking for. And I wanna go through some of my observations about the kind of people who do get accepted through the course. But first, let's talk about the training. So I decided to take this on like a rapid skill learning project. And we talked about, I forget the episode number, but we talked all about this process in the episode, which is called, I think, how to get good at everything or anything. And I think that was one of your episodes that you researched. I want to say it it's 210, but I'm going to double check. Is it 210? But I feel like I looked at it recently for something. Actually, you know what we have? We have this impossibly fast website. Oh, yeah. You're so going to be way faster I than my phone. I could probably just go computer up. through here and find how to be good at everything. You are right. It's 210. Yep. Nice. How to be good at everything. First time I've remembered the number. The rapid skill learning process. And I would recommend that anyone who hasn't gone and listened to that episode, go listen to it because it is a good one. Uh, and that was mostly your research, I think. But I wanted to go through basically the process we outlined in that episode to tackle this challenge. So that meant breaking down this big goal of finish the first course in American Ninja Warrior into its constituent parts. And I guess the first part for me was to go and watch the, uh, the premiere from last year and then analyze what skills I was going to need based on the obstacles there. And I guess that's kind of the first step that I would give to anybody trying to do this themselves. You need to know what the challenges are so you know where you need to put your training hours. So the first um, the first premiere from, I guess, the last season, and I can't remember the season number, possibly season nine, had six obstacles. Um, I'm just going to try to visually explain what they are without using names. Okay. <laughs> so one of them was just like these these diagonal steps that you just jump back and forth between. Okay. Uh, those are not that difficult. You just need, need to have like a little bit of vertical. And the second obstacle is imagine a fireman's pole, but it's horizontal and it kind of swings on chains. So you need to hang from it. You kind of have to like shimmy from one end to the other with your arms. And then okay. you need to transition to another one and then transition from that one back down to the platform below. Okay. So what the, and I, let's actually just break down the kind of skills you're going to need. So for the step things, you're going to need agility. You're going to need a balance for the most part. And you're going to need a little bit of vertical or not vertical or horizontal leap. Not a ton because they're not that far apart. And I've seen people just do one foot to each one. Um, so those are probably pretty easy, but you do need at least some balance and some, some agility for that. For the horizontal pole thing, that's a lot of upper body strength, but then there's also a lot of technique in getting the ability to swing your body and get momentum in the correct direction. So you can make yourself go forward rather than either not moving at all, which a lot of people end up doing because they don't know how to keep really? momentum going, or uh, some of them get themselves going sideways, which is useless. Hmm. They need to be able to basically get uh, forward momentum. So then there's these things called the tuning forks, which scare me more than anything else in the uh, initial course. And we'll see if they bring them back for the 2019 season. 
there's a part of me that's hoping they don't because they are terrifying. <laughs> the tuning forks are basically, they're a balance obstacle. So if you imagine um, like a tuning fork, yeah. imagine six of them, or no, three of them, so six kind of prong ends yeah. in a row, and they spin. So you have each to, of the, the, each of each them of will the spin. Fork things spin. But so yeah, you've like got imagine, two rotating around and then two rotating around. Yep. And they aren't spin. They aren't actively spinning, but they will spin. They're on. So when you land on them, they're not yes. stable. Once your foot hits the top of one, it's mm. not stable, and you basically have to run across all six of those points. You know, the other ones, the other two, just sounded like I was like, that sounds like fun. I want to try that. I don't yeah. really want to try this one. Yeah, this one is. This one terrifies me, and I think at least two, like pro ninja competitors who have been on multiple seasons failed at the Tuny Forks when I was watching the premiere. So I'm more scared of that than anything else because balance balance is the one thing where you can just – like a, a tiny mistake will yeah. screw you up. Yeah, you can be really good at balance and then still. Yeah. A lot of the other ones are, are pure endurance or strength or they are moves that require finesse, but they seem like, okay, if you practice that enough, you could get it 100% of the time. Balance is like I can practice that a lot and I will, but it's still tough, especially with something spinning like that. So they have that. We have uh, these crank things. I don't even know how to how to describe these without having people go look at them. But they basically are like making you do pull-ups again and again um, to make like an arm go from a position of, say, 45 degrees up to vertically. Uh, so you basically just have to like lift one arm up while hanging off of it and then the other one and just crank them up to the top position. Uh, there is the spider wall, which basically means you have to jump up and then put your arms and legs out between two walls. And then you have to like shimmy your way within that uh, little hallway, I guess. And that's not very hard. But at the end of that, you have to fall from that to a trampoline and then bounce back up and grab onto this pole thing. And then finally, there's the warped wall, which is probably the thing people have seen the most. It's literally just like a gigantic Tony Hawk ramp that you have to run up and oh. get up. So those are the obstacles that I'm sort of basing my training off of, plus some classic obstacles like the salmon ladder, which is that pull-up bar that you oh, have yeah, to that one looked cool. lift the bar up to those uh, progressively higher rungs, things like that. And I just looked at those along with some other obstacles and started breaking down the types of strength and the types of training that I'm going to need to do. So for the step things, that's going to be balance and that's going to be agility. For the horizontal pull thing, that's going to be number one, grip strength, because you have to be able to to hang from that for quite a while. And then also practicing getting momentum in the correct direction, if you can. The tuning forks are pure balance. And the way I've been working on balance is running or walking on rails, doing slack line training. And what I want to start doing, I haven't started working on this quite yet, but I want to figure out a way to replicate the forks themselves. I don't know how to do that. Quite yet. Yeah, that one might take some setup. Um, it may literally just be going out and finding poles at a park and just running on those contact points, which is dangerous, but I don't really know a better way to train that quite yet. Well, I mean, you're training for something dangerous. so That's true. That's true. But at least in Ninja Warrior, there's water underneath. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll figure out that one. For now, I'm just using rails. For the crank things, that's just pure pull-ups. 
like pure pull-ups. And then the I guess the one other challenge with the crank things is there's three sets of them. So once you get to the top of one, you kind of have to swing and transition. So you have to let go of the one bar and then grab onto the next one. So, so that's like pull-ups and monkey bars could yeah. feasibly train the basic parts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that movement of, of swinging and moving forward from one bar to another is called a lache. So you want to be training laches as well. Mm -hmm. uh, the warped wall, you can train that by trying to run up walls. And if you have a warped wall to train on, that's the best thing. But you can also just train with a wall. And we actually did that at parkour class. And then the uh, spider wall and trampoline. So the spider wall, I find actually pretty easy. As long as you have the strength to hold yourself up with friction pushing outward, that's not a huge challenge. But I did see a lot of people fail when trying to drop down from the spider wall to the trampoline and then drop back up. Now what, what part did they, did they fail to land on the right part of the trampoline or did Typically they... they would land on the trampoline, but then instead of bouncing, so basically like you need to, you need to kind of fall and land on the trampoline and then bounce almost vertically back upward with a little bit of forward momentum to grab the so you next need thing to control like how you land so that you can hit yeah. the next thing the vast majority of the people i saw who failed there would fall hit the trampoline and then bounce totally straight outward and get no height again so they would basically just okay. fling themselves forward into the wall and then into the water well, see, it's, it's a good thing that you, you like you're researching this sort of thing because to me, when, when I picture it, like it seems so obvious, right? Yep. Well, duh, you hit the trampoline and it puts you back up and you hit the thing. But you wouldn't, I wouldn't initially think a bunch of people totally just go forward and, and miss the right angle. Yep. Yeah, which I thought it would be easy too. It, but like it's, again, it sounds easy, but obviously yeah. a lot of things do. Yeah, and that's a lot of things. Like you can see somebody do something and say that looks easy, but until you spend some time practicing those moves, you don't know how it's going to go. And I guess the other thing that I am considering an obstacle is the fact that you get one try and there's a huge crowd of people there and it's on TV. Oh yeah. So, so I'm high pressure. Yes. I'm really trying not to discount the potential that I may get very nervous uh, because of that. So, the way I'm training that is by doing competitions at the ninja gym in my city, because at least there's, they're timing you and there's a bunch of people who are watching you. So that's kind of like a mini version of that. Yeah. And I think just like with Toastmasters in public speaking, if you can expose yourself to controlled amounts of whatever's going to make you nervous, you're going to be more prepared for the big thing when it actually happens. Um, but yeah, I've just, I've just been kind of like figuring out like, what can I do to train myself for all of these things? So the main form of training has been rock climbing. And for this, it was basically the knowledge that, oh, everyone who wins Ninja Warrior is a, if not pro rock climber, somebody who's been rock climbing for many years. And really that comes down to having a ton of upper body strength for the pull-up things and also having a ton of grip strength. And I think that for me is the area where I've had to work the hardest. And I remember going, I actually signed up for a rock climbing gym and I go there probably three times a week. I went to a fitness test class where they had us do a bunch of little things to sort of gauge our level of fitness. So we had to do as many sit-ups as we could in a minute, as many pull-ups, as many push-ups. And then we had to hang from a board that was just like an inch away from the wall. So like you, you just had an inch for your fingers to grab onto. And I think I was able to hang for six seconds. That is another one of those things that sounds it like, well, duh, you just hang from the board. It's like, yeah, it's important to go ahead and research what these actually feel like yep. rather than just looking at it. Yeah, exactly. 
yeah, there's there's a lot of things where it's, it's just, oh, that looks easy. It's the same as hanging onto a pull-up bar. Though another thing I discovered is hanging from a normal pull-up bar is also harder than I initially yeah, thought. Yeah, also harder than it sounds. When I started training, uh, hanging from a pull-up bar for 30 seconds with both arms was about all I could do. Well, it's like basically in any skill where you – the less you know about the skill – you might actually think you know much more. And then when you're... That's true. You know, you're really sure of your opinions at stage one, but at stage like eight, you're really advanced and now you're just filled with tons of uncertainty and questions because <laughs> you're like, well, yes, that would be true in this particular case. However, in this case, I'm not I'm not quite sure what would happen. You just know the whole world is expanded for you. Yeah. So the world of holding onto a bar does not seem complicated until you try it. Yep. Uh, but I will say hanging from a bar fantastic way to train for this and i think i've trained up to the point where i can hang with two arms dead for 90 seconds now okay and i can hang with one arm dead for about 10 or 11 seconds which doesn't sound great but i don't know hanging 195 pounds off of one arm is actually pretty good for me so yeah for the for the crank things and for the horizontal pull a lot of the rock climbing a lot of the grip work and a lot of the upper body work uh, for the tuning forks, I'm just working a lot on balance. Like I said, working on rail balance for the most part. I also have an Indo board over there, which helps with balance as well. And then I need to work on that point balance where you're hopping from point to point and still being able to keep balance that way. Though I noticed the way that most people who did make it past the tuning forks did it was by going really fast. They just so, let momentum keep them from even shifting the things mm-hmm. as much. And a lot of them actually skipped the sixth contact point. They would just jump from the fifth one straight to the planet, oh. the landing platform afterwards. So I think that's another big thing is getting some vertical strength and being able to confidently leap from a very small point because then you may be able to skip that sixth one, which is probably going to be the sketchiest one since you're already off balance from the first five. Yeah, I feel like the confidence is is possibly even the hardest part of that particular part. Yep. Yeah, that's a big thing. Because if you're scared, you'll lose your momentum. Mm -hmm. This week's episode of our show is brought to you by our friends over at Brilliant, who have been building for the past few years an excellent platform for actively learning math, science, and computer science. And if you want to learn these subjects quickly and effectively, I think you're going to want to check Brilliant out. Now, you know if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time that we are huge fans of active learning, of digging in and challenging yourself immediately when you start learning a new subject rather than sitting by and passively intaking information. When you learn actively, you learn in a more interested way and you actually remember what you're learning better as well. And that is the exact philosophy that Brilliant uses whenever they build a course. They throw you immediately into tough problems that you're probably going to get stuck on at least at some point early on. And that actually keeps your interest level high and it makes sure that you're learning efficiently. Of course, when you do get stuck, they do have an excellent wiki full of lots of in-depth explanations and example problems that you can refer to. So if you do get stuck, you can go refer to that and then come back with new knowledge to solve those problems. And they also have an excellent community with thousands of learners who are constantly challenging each other and getting help from each other as well. Now, in these brilliant ads, I love to recommend courses every single time I do them, and I'm especially excited this time because I just noticed that they released a quantum computing course in their advanced science section on the site. And quantum computing has actually been an interest of mine for quite some time. It's one of those subjects that's kind of difficult to wrap your head around at first, but it's really fascinating. So if you have any sort of interest in that subject, I'm gonna highly recommend you go and check that course out. Um, But there's tons 
tons of other courses in their library as well. There are math courses like calculus and algebra. There are science courses like computational biology and physics. And there are computer science courses going over things like algorithms and even computer memory. So if you want to start learning for free today, you can go over to brilliant.org slash college info geek. And if you're one of the first 83 people to use that link and go sign up, you're also going to get 20% off their annual premium subscription. Big thanks to Brilliant for sponsoring this episode and supporting College Info Geek. And a huge thanks also goes out to our second sponsor on this episode, Hover, which is the best place on the internet to get your hands on a domain name, such as the domain name that I purchased recently, which is thomasfrank.ninja. And once I do have a televised clip of me doing that course and hopefully finishing it, that is exactly what I'm gonna be pointing that domain to. But for now, I just have it pointed towards my Instagram, which is showcasing some of the training that I have been doing. But of course, I have other domain names as well, such as thomasjfrank.com, which is my personal website, which I have used since college to help get jobs, to land freelance clients, and to build my personal brand. And that is exactly what you want to get a domain name for as well. You wanna build an online presence for yourself so you can start showcasing your skills, start showcasing your passions, and show off your portfolio, show the work that you've done. This is gonna help you connect with, again, potential clients or potential employers or just people that you could work with on projects in the future. This is super important to do. And of course, the longer you wait to get your domain name, the more time you're giving other people to potentially go out and get it as well. I am perpetually frustrated by the fact that I cannot get thomasfrank.com, but that was registered back in 2002. I was probably what, 11 years old back then? Hmm. So unfortunately wasn't thinking of it at that time, but luckily you are thinking of it now because I'm telling you to think of it. So go and get your domain name. And when you do, go over to Hover and get it because Hover is the best place on the internet to get a domain name, not least of which because the process of getting a domain name with them is incredibly easy, simple, and quick. There are no annoying upsells. And if you have an account, you can get a domain in less than 30 seconds. Plus there are over 400 different extensions to choose from, from your .coms and your .me's and your .nets to fun ones like .ninja. Once you have your domain name, you can also set up a professional email address like thomas at collegeofvogeek.com very easily through Hover. And they also have a feature called Connect, which will let you hook your domain up to many different website builders like Squarespace and Shopify. So if you're ready to get your hands on your domain name, then go over to hover.com slash CIG. That is H-O-V-E-R.com slash CIG. And if you go to that URL, you're gonna get 10% off your first domain purchase. So once again, hover.com slash CIG. Big thanks to Hover for sponsoring this episode and supporting our show, and let's get back into it. Um, so for the spider wall and trampoline, I wanted to mention this one because people maybe watch the Ninja Warrior show and they think, okay, I'm gonna do a bunch of pull-ups, I'm gonna do a bunch of dead hangs, and do a bunch of rock climbing, and maybe even work on like wall balance and things like that. All I gotta do is build general balance, general grip strength, general upper body strength, general agility, and I'll be good. And then they will throw something like that at you where the trampoline just keeps throwing people face first into a wall because they're not prepared for a specific type of movement. So I think for Ninja Warrior, but for many athletic challenges, you need to kind of have an idea of some of the weird curveballs they're gonna throw at you and then go and do specific training if you can. So in my case, I've been going to a trampoline park in my city and this trampoline park actually has a, there's a section where there's a, probably foot or foot and a half tall box in the middle of a bunch of trampolines. And then I just stand on that box and I will jump off of it onto a trampoline next to it and practice getting air and going slightly forward. So that way, hopefully I can transfer that practice to 
this obstacle if they bring it back next year. Okay. That makes sense. Because I think it's different from just jumping on a trampoline normally. Now, you got to control the, the angle you're going at, and mm-hmm. that's – yeah, that makes sense for practicing. Is The box is stable, right? It's yeah. not like on a trampoline. It's just – it's box, a box that I, keeps bouncing. Well, I think the whole trampoline floor is like suspended over a giant pit or something. Okay. So if you're on the box, like you can make it move a little bit. It isn't like totally solid, but it's solid enough. Okay. It's not moving around. Yeah. You can't like bounce the box into the air. Okay. Uh, so that has been helpful for that obstacle if indeed they do bring it back. Um, so I guess if I really were to break this down though, it's agility, it's balance, it's upper body strength and upper body endurance, and then grip strength and grip endurance. So how many pull-ups can you do? Um, can you do a pull-up where you can pull almost to your chest? Cause that may be very helpful for the salmon ladder. And then how long can you hang from something? And how long can you hang in different ways? So I didn't see a whole lot of this in the preliminary like city qualifiers course, but in previous seasons, there are a lot of obstacles where you will have to swing from like a ball that is on a chain instead of a bar or, or where you'll have to basically um, use pinch strength to grip onto something that basically resembles a door and then transition your body from one hanging door to another. So there's actually many different types of grip strength. And I think this is why rock climbers do so well, because in rock climbing, there are many different kinds of holds. There are uh, jugs, which are the easiest hold, which is basically just like something where your fingers can really curl into it and it's got a lot to hold onto. And if you've ever gone rock climbing, you've probably been on a wall with mostly jugs because beginners and intermediates typically stick to walls Mm -hmm. with that. But there are also what are called slopers, which are basically just like almost like half of a ball sticking out of the wall or something, something where there's nothing to dig into and you just have to use pure friction on your hands to hold on. There are crimps where you have very little to grab onto and you're just basically pressing the tips of your fingers into it. And then pockets and um, slots where you have to either put your hand into a slot or you can only use a couple of fingers. So if you train with rock climbing and you make sure that you're working on routes with many different kinds of holds, you're probably going to develop that versatile grip strength that can take on a lot of different things in Ninja Warrior as well. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the first thing for me was just breaking down the likely obstacles I'm going to see, trying to figure out what skills are needed and what kinds of strength are needed, and then finding ways to train that. So in terms of the way that I've actually been training, um, I'm going to go from most accessible to least accessible for people listening to this podcast. So most accessible is the home gym that I built. Door frame pull-up bar, which I think anybody can get off Amazon or at Walmart or Target. So I basically just do a lot of dead hangs from that and a lot of pull-ups in many different variations. Chin-ups, parallel grip pull-ups, wide grip pull-ups, all that kind of stuff. Um, A lot of bodyweight calisthenics, push-ups, sit-ups. I've been working on some of those yoga poses where you have to use just your hands to suspend your body off the ground. So those are helpful oh, yeah. for core strength, things like that. Uh, speaking of core, hanging from the pull-up bar and doing leg raises or doing windshield wipers or doing knee tucks. Uh, I think core strength is pretty important for this too. So home training can actually offer you a lot. And I would say if you don't have access to a rock climbing gym or a ninja gym or a parkour gym, the next thing you would want to do is just go out and use the outdoors and do parkour training. So learn vaults, 
um, use like, I don't know, bike racks or random rails somewhere to work on balance. Uh, hopefully a rail that's not too far off the ground and hopefully a rail that someone's not going to yell at you for using. Yeah. Like a playground is usually a pretty good place to do this kind of thing. If you're not like a 27 year old bearded man, bearded man like me. <laughs> isn't, isn't that kind of, kind of sad? Yeah. We need our own playgrounds. We do. Yeah. Adults need playgrounds too. Uh, for like the warped wall, you can actually train just running up walls and maybe we can link to some parkour tutorial videos in the show notes for people who are curious about this. When I used to train just parkour, we would actually work on this. Just like getting a couple of steps up a wall and then being able to grab the roof or grab the ledge and then pull yourself up. That's important to do. Um, the next addition to my home gym have been the, the, the rings, the gymnastics rings, and those are helpful for dips. And then um, I have bought several different Ninja Warrior training holds that hang off of the bar. I started with the bananas and you can get all of these from Atomic Holds, I think. Actually, let me let me check real quick because I want to make sure I say it correctly. Yeah, AtomicClimbingHolds.com and it's Atomic with a K instead of a C. And I have bought the bananas, which are a good first one to do because they're not too hard to hang off of. But if you've never done this kind of stuff before, they are quite a bit harder than just a bar. And then I moved on to the ones that are just a ball because during my first competition, I found it very, very difficult to swing off of one of those ball things. Hmm. And then I bought a couple that are just pure cylinders. And these are good for pinch grip strength training. So it's like, um, basically like a picture, a can of Lysol or something like an aerosol can. Okay. They're about that, that big around and they just hang off of my pull-up bar from um, a little carabiner. Okay. So for those, I will work on pull-ups, but I'll also work on just just hanging off of them because pinch grip strength is something that we don't often work on. Like when we're hanging from bars, a lot of the times we're just hanging from a horizontal bar so we can just sort of hang. With these, you're forced to grab onto something vertical, meaning you have to generate a lot of force to create the friction to hang there. And that's pretty tough. So those are the things that I do for, I guess, at-home training. Uh, the next thing that I would suggest, and I guess this is this is very in line with the person that emailed me. Um, if you don't have like a ninja warrior gym in your area, the first gym you're going to want to go to is a rock climbing gym. Because again, rock climbing is like the, the number one sport, I think, for this. It's like rock climbing, then parkour. And if you can just go to a rock climbing gym a few times a week, that's going to help you develop that very, very essential upper body strength for this kind of a challenge. And then if you do have a Ninja Warrior gym in your area or a parkour gym, I think they're roughly equivalent, actually. The Ninja Warrior gym, like if you have a literal Ninja Warrior gym, then you're gonna be able to do the exact problems and maybe like work with the exact kind of holds that you're gonna see on the show. But if you have a parkour gym, it's gonna be very similar. If you have an outdoor calisthenics area with bars, those may be helpful too. For example, if you live in Santa Monica, you have Muscle Beach which is basically a Ninja Warrior course. <laughs> and I love that place. Um, and that's kind of what I do. So I have a Ninja Warrior gym I go to probably once a week. The rock climbing gym is probably three times a week. And then I do have one strength day. And I kind of do just an all around strength workout that isn't super optimized for Ninja Warrior. But one thing that I do make sure that I do is pistol squats, which are one legged squats 
where you point your free leg out in front of you and you squat down as far as you can go and then back up. And even without weight, these are quite difficult for most people. And it took me a long time to get to the point where I could do one. In fact, I used to not even be able to stand up from cross-legged sitting position. Oh, yeah. Which is kind of sad. You're not very <laughs> flexible by default, so you have to, like, yeah, work on these things. Exactly. Um, and that's actually a pretty decent exercise. Just get yourself into a cross-legged sitting position and stand up. And that can actually train the stabilizer muscles in your knees, too. Hmm. I do remember listening to a gymnastics podcast on the Tim Ferriss Show, and the guy was saying that one of the exercises that he has his athletes do is sitting up or standing up from the cross-legged seated position because if you only ever work on, say, barbell squat, then you're only ever squatting down in one direction. Like you're never putting any tension or force on your knees in a lateral direction, it's just up and down. And he was saying, you know, I have people who will squat hundreds of, excuse me, hundreds of pounds in the gym and then they'll go blow their knee out playing softball because they haven't developed any sort of resiliency in their knees in other directions. It's just up and down. So I wanna make sure that I have a versatile and resilient body that can handle all kinds of different challenges. So I'm often looking for exercises that will, that will, um, that will use those stabilizer muscles in addition to just using the main muscles and doing compound lifts. And then I guess the last thing I'll mention here is flexibility is important too. So I have a roughly full body flexibility routine that takes me probably 20 minutes and I do it after every workout at the climbing gym. And that's, I think, I think for me, sufficient. We'll see if I go on the show. And I don't think there are any obstacles where it's like, oh, you need to be super flexible for this one reason. But if you're flexible, you're able to tackle more, a versatile, more, uh, a more versatile set of problems. Okay. And is it basically like yoga stuff? Some yoga stuff and some just general stretches. Okay. I don't really know what stretches aren't yoga stretches. That's fair like just crossing an arm across the body. Like that doesn't seem like it's from yoga. It seems like it's from PE in fifth grade. Well, yeah, I guess, I guess the difference is you need to come up with a cool name for it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, though one thing I'll say with flexibility is even if it's not super apparent that you need it on the course, it is very important for injury prevention. Because if you have tight muscles that are not very flexible and you're going and doing an obstacle course where you're running and jumping and trying to grab onto weird things and trying to do a zillion different pull-ups and doing laches. If you aren't flexible, you are just asking for an injury. And I will tell you, the waiver on the the application is pretty clear about the fact that like they're not they're not guaranteeing you won't be injured. So it's kind of up to you to make sure your body's in the condition it needs to be in to deal with a wide variety of challenges that could hurt you. Um so let me look at his question real quick. So he asked, what kind of workouts should I be doing to prepare for Ninja Warrior courses? I think we covered that. If there are no Ninja Warrior gyms in my area, are there other gyms I should look into working out at? I think we covered that. Rock climbing gyms, parkour gyms, and then any strength-based exercises you recommend. Um, just to recap that, lots and lots of pull-ups. Lots of pull-ups. Lots of grip training. And then uh, I would just do all-around workouts in, in addition to that. I'm trying to think. I know in past years there have been obstacles where you have to kind of deadlift this giant plastic plexiglass pane off the ground that uh, is it's like hinged at one end and then you have to pick up the other end and flip it over. 
So I guess if you have a strongman gym, you could do tire flips or you could just make sure you're doing squats and deadlifts. But I think for the most part, Ninja Warrior is not a brute strength type of challenge. It's more of a, can you get your body from point A to point, a to point B hanging on to ledges sometimes or hanging off of lache bars sometimes kind of challenge. Yeah. So calisthenics, gymnastics, parkour, rock climbing, that kind of stuff. Uh, so that's kind of part one of the challenge. And that is, that's where most of my hours are going, but there is also an application you have to do and you kind of have to tell them your story, your athletic background, all these kind of things. And basically this is their way to find the most interesting people possible because they are producing a TV show. So it has to be entertaining. And because it's about normal people doing these courses, they have to get people who are entertaining or interesting in some way. Yeah. So what I noticed is several, I guess, different archetypes or like types of people who tend to get on the show. And there could be more, but the ones that stuck out to me are people who are just super athletic and who are very likely to actually make it through the whole course. Two, people who have some sort of tragic backstory or have come through struggle because they're able to tell a story about that. Yeah. And then three, people who bring some sort of interesting gimmick to the table. So for example, there was a guy who ran the entire course wearing these shrimp catching boots because he's from New Orleans and works in like a shrimp farm or something like that. And he had this whole audition video where he was doing all these things in the shrimp boots and actually doing pretty good. So he got on the show. No tragic backstory. He actually pretty good though. And um, the way he fell was not due to the shrimp boots. He just made a small mistake on a lache. So huh. the shrimp boots actually got him pretty far. I think he got to the second to last obstacle. All good ninja know how to catch shrimp. Yes. Uh, so the application actually kind of reflects... I think uh, what they're looking for in those three archetypes. So they have like the your story section where they're asking what's your proudest non-athletic achievement or what's the most difficult or devastating non-athletic thing you've ever gone through, things like that. Um, what are your hobbies? What are some things that we wouldn't know about you just by looking at you? Or who's your favorite person? Who, like who's somebody you'd really wanna meet, that kind of thing. So if, if you're listening to this, I guess, and you wanna be on the show, you need to be thinking like, what is interesting about me that I could tell as a story. And even if you're not planning on applying for Ninja Warrior, I think this is important for being able to tell your story for cover letters, for job interviews, or if you're gonna be speaking at an event or something like that. Can you tell a story about yourself and relate it to the audience that you are addressing? I guess in this case, it's just the audience, like a national TV show audience, but it may be the audience at your work or something like that for a different uh, situation. And then finally they have your athletic information. So, you know, what made you want to be a Ninja Warrior? What are your athletic, or what's your athletic background? Did you play sports in high school? Did you ever play pro sports or college sports? Things like that. So I've just listed everything I've done and I've tried to highlight some of the more interesting or oddball things that I've done because like, I don't have a super tragic backstory, but I am a six foot tall bearded man who figure skates and plays Dance Dance Revolution. That's fair, but you so, could work on getting a tragic backstory. I could do that. You could have one by January. I I don't want to do that, though. <laughs> like, I don't actually want a tragic backstory. And that's the thing. Like, you shouldn't want one. So I basically have to find a way to fit myself into either the super athletic camp 
or the camp that has something interesting or weird that they can spin into a story. Do the whole thing in figure skates. There we go. Yeah, he's going to run this entire course in figure skates. Oh, and he's in the water already. All your ankles. First obstacle. All your ankles are broken. Yeah, that's a terrible idea. Yeah, it's, it's the worst <laughs> idea. No, I'm just going to be me, but I've, I, I don't know, I took a long time on this application, and I figured out some ways to be me, but to highlight the interesting things about me. And something I also did, which I would recommend to anybody ever doing an application like this or filling out a scholarship, writing an essay, I saved my answers. Yeah. Because I feel like at some point in the future, I may want to dig back and use those stories for something else. And it took me like a whole afternoon of just sitting around racking my brain to try to think of interesting stories or to try to think of, you know, the most interesting possible answers to the questions they were asking me. So I have those saved. And I don't know, maybe I'll try to go on the prices right someday or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, it makes sense to have all that stuff saved because like yeah. I have I have my old uh, social media bios saved, all my cover letters. Mm-hmm. It's like you need a big database yes. of stuff that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I would do is I would recommend just having a notebook or tag in Evernote called personal statements and applications. And then anytime you fill something out and you have to write an essay or a statement like that, just paste it in Evernote. It takes an extra 10 seconds and then you've got it. Uh, this has also come in handy for me when events that I'm speaking at or let's say um, like a publisher or an agent wants a bio from me, I'm able to go through there and pull little interesting tidbits because I don't like to use the same bio every single time and it gets outdated yeah. pretty quickly. Yeah. So I think that's a pretty decent overview. Um, I guess this is sort of like a preliminary look because this has not really happened yet. Yeah, we'll see what happens in January. And we'll see That's what happens not too in January. Far. I do still have to make a video. So I may actually be enlisting either your help or Anna's help okay. to help me film some stuff. Um, and I also want to want to take some of what I've learned through the application process and apply that to the video. I think it would be advantageous not to just have the video be nothing but athletic stuff, but maybe show off some quirkiness or something. Yeah. Yeah, just like, I don't know. How, how can you be interesting? This is a big question. Anytime that you want some committee to choose you for something or you want somebody to do something for you and there's competition around it, you got to figure out how you make yourself interesting. And a lot of times it's finding a way to tell a story. So I want to apply that to the video and I have applied that to the, comp- or the application. So hopefully I will get in. Yeah. And hopefully we'll be able to do an episode in the future titled How I Passed the First Course a Ninja Warrior, but we may have to title it How I Fell Flat on My Face into the Water on the First Obstacle that's in Ninja also, Warrior. That's also a fine fine episode. <laughs> Either way, if they accept me and I get on the show, we'll do some sort of follow-up episode. Well, don't don't worry. You'll, <laughs> you'll get in. I'm, I'm not going to give you a tragic backstory by January. <laughs> that would be ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> my tragic backstory. My best friend... I don't know, cut my fingers <laughs> off in the middle of the night to help feel, me get on the well, show. Well, I feel like that's the opposite of how to get you on the show because you won't be able to do it. <laughs> now I have robot fingers. Well, that's that's not fair. I don't know. How robotic are they? Because I'm actually picturing, like, video game level, your fingers can now crush my skull. Well, that's, actually, that's a good that's question. That's not fair. You need regular, I regular think there fake are, fingers. I think there are robot hands that they can do as prosthetics now, but I don't know how strong they are. Well, I'm I'm only saying that if they're like super powered, like you're like Android, any of them from Dragon Ball Z, that's not fair. 
It's totally fair. Well, it's I guess fine. I guess the android in that situation will decide what's fair. Yeah. Yeah, if I am a super all-powerful android, then I just get to be on the show anyway. All right, fine. I'll power up your hands. <laughs> good. Actually, no, don't do that. I want to keep my normal hands. You already said good. I will rely on the quirky backstory. I don't need you to remove all my fingers. Please and thank you. I'll get the android hands. <laughs> anyway, um, so in the show notes for this episode, we will have at least some clips from past city qualifier things so people can look at the challenges themselves. And uh, we may have some other things that I mentioned as well. So if you want to check out the show notes for this episode, cigpodcast.com slash episode. Nope, I always do this. Don't do it. cigpodcast.com slash 241. That is the URL you should go to. Don't put episode in there. Otherwise, you're going to get our lovely 404 page, which does have some cool stuff on it. That's true. But it's got some stuff. It's probably not what you're looking for. Uh, or if you're on YouTube, you can, as always, go into the description and click the link there to check out those show notes. So do that if you are curious. Otherwise, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us and listening to this, I don't know, kind of different episode. But I like to make, mix things up every once in a while. Yeah. You a big old Leonardo da Vinci biography episode. Follow that with a Ninja Warrior episode. Because it's our podcast. Da Vinci would have been a ninja. You, you know what? He probably would have. He probably would have done some Why not? think tank startup-y, I don't know, research fellow thing and then thought, you know the next thing I'm going to do? Ninja Warrior. Yep. Because why not? And then I'm going to finish that painting, maybe. No, he won't. <laughs> I did see a book recently, or I was reading a new book today, actually, that mentioned uh, the main reason that Da Vinci was never able to build all of the crazy designs in his notebooks was the fact that the technology just wasn't there to manufacture them. And I just kind of laughed a little bit because I was like, eh, either that or he just put it off for something else. Yeah, a, a, a <laughs> lot of things were his fault. Not everything was, but I wouldn't take all the blame off of him. Yeah, he's got a little bit of it. Anyway, uh, you know what we just finished? Uh, the Procrastination miniseries. So if you have not seen that, we'll put that in the show notes as well. Or you can go over to my YouTube channel and check those out so you can maybe stop being such a big procrastinator like Leo DV was. Yep. And like I am. I'm a recovering procrastinator myself, so I'm going to be taking some of my own advice there. Last but not least, you can, as always, support this show by sharing it with a friend, maybe sending them your favorite episode, or giving us a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes, depending on if you're on an iPhone or your computer, whichever one. I'm not sure what they call it these days, but uh, those ratings and reviews definitely do help the show. So big thanks to you if you take the time to do that, but also just big thanks to you for hanging out with us and being a listener of this show. If you're not subscribed yet, if you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening to it in the web browser, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts on your iPhone, Google Podcasts on your Android phone or Spotify or any of the other myriad podcast apps out there. I use Pocket Casts personally, but there are many to choose from. So if you want to get the episodes directly downloaded to your device every single Monday morning when they come out, then you can get one of those apps and get subscribed. And other than that, I think we have covered it all. So thank you once again for listening, and we'll see you in next week's episode. Thank you.